Excellent. And the word edion is naive backwards. Like a brain eraser. Do you really? I don't understand people like you. You can't have happiness without sadness. Does this mean I can sue Kraft for the lack of miracles in Miracle Whip? I'd love to star in a musical. Al Capone died of syphilis. Any relationship? Yes. Hello, Drivel, my old friend. It's come to smart with you again. Hello, everyone. Time for a new episode of Smart Drivel. Kurt Schneider here with... John Ellenthal. What's the next line in that song, Kurt? It is not the sounds of silence, that's for sure. <laughs> Ooh, very good, because I you. was loud and talking a lot. Yes, it was a reaction to the loudness of your voice, the opposite of silence. Do you know what the first name, their first name was of their band before it was Simon and Garfunkel? I do not. Tom and Jerry. Like the mouse and cat. Probably, cat yes. were oftentimes referred to as cat and mouse. And by the way, I don't think those cartoons can be aired today because there was some serious injury happening and abuse. Well, I guess that stuff is still played. So do you remember for a while there was this product called the Mophie? It was an external, it was like a, it was a case for your iPhone. It was also a battery pack and it was incredibly popular. But the Mophie, M-O-P-H-I-E, for those of our listeners who actually have a memory, you'd snap it onto your iPhone and it would dramatically extend your battery life. It was the rage for a period of time. I met the guy who invented it at one point, and I said, why was it called Mophie? And it was named for his cat, Morris, and his cat, Sophie. He put the names together, and that's why it was called Mophie. Not unlike Tom and Jerry, because one of them was a cat. It could have been Nofie. If her name were Nora you know, and Sophie. You know what that is, though? Nofie? Is that like a roofie that someone says no to? <laughs> it's iPhone backwards. Excellent. And the word Evian is naive backwards. Okay. But that's not why they have it. I know, but you said a backwards word. Does it seem so outrageous that I would share another <laughs> word? Did you ever notice that Evian spelled backwards is naive? But not in French. Do you think there was a message in that? Because we're spending all this money, a premium price for a bottle of water? Evian was all the rage when, when bottled water first came out. And I never really liked the taste of Evian. I know that's hard to say about water, but... Wasn't that thing? They do have different tastes. No. Another product that was arranged for a while that had a French name when you and I were in high school, Varnay sunglasses. And we've talked about it because both of us had them. Of course we did, because we needed to fill that hole of insecurity <laughs> inside by being like everybody else. But see, I did not buy them because they were too expensive, but somehow someone left them in my house once we were in my car and voila, I had Varnay's. Well, voila is a good choice there. Do you remember the jeans brand from the 80s? Gerbau jeans? No. Okay, well, that's a French word too. Gerbau? G-I-R-B-A-U-D. How would you pronounce it? Gerbau. Yeah, Mr. World Traveler. Gerbau. Do you remember when you were in the south of France drinking your rosé while wearing your Gerbau jeans and thinking about doing lines of Herbes de Provence? I actually was having pastis first. There you go. I love pastis. You know why? The first bit is a way too strong, way too anisey. Then you add water, and then you add a little more water, and you keep drinking it down until you keep diluting it until it's nothing, and then you're starving, and you go inside, and you eat a wonderful steak à poivre. Or perhaps you begin with a salad niçois. Yeah. But anise, anisette, licorice, I don't like that taste at all. 
And remember last week we talked about your love of candy corn. And I said I had a friend growing up who loved candy corn. Also a listener of the podcast, Michael Morchetta. He and his family loved black jelly beans. Whenever I got jelly beans, I would eat the non-black ones and I'd want them to have the black ones. I do not like licorice flavor. black ones are the best. Do you really? Yeah. I don't understand people like you. Wow. That's that's a complete so, mind fuck for me that people like. That's your distinguishing feature. That's how you're going to parse people out. People that like licorice and people that don't. You know what? We need little heuristics, little shortcuts in our brain. There's too much information. We need shortcuts. So I'm going to go with the licorice. Kurt, we probably didn't get together today to discuss licorice. But you know what I think I, a, a good invention that some neuroscientist should come up with? What's that? A way to, like, a brain eraser. Like, if you want to... A brain s- eraser. Yeah, if you want to subjectively erase some stuff that you don't need hanging around. Like, I have so many 1970s NFL players, names and numbers, jumping around my head. I don't need that. I could just... It's like a little dry erase eraser. Do you think it's a problem? Do you think that that storage space is like taken up and keeping you from remembering other things? Yeah, I think I'm at like 99.98%. I need to go into the general and start deleting some attachments or something. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's actually how it works, but maybe it would be better if we could flush or erase certain things from our brain. I wouldn't mind erasing bad memories. Unless you those bad memories you serve. You can't do that. That's like you a, think that takes away from the richness of the human experience? We've talked about this in the past. You can't have happiness without sadness. It doesn't exist just in and of itself. You need both. So I can't have fruity, tasty jelly beans without the licorice jelly beans? Exactly. Because more. I wouldn't appreciate the tropical fruity flavor? Exactly. I've not had a distaste for? Exactly. Exactly. So is this podcast about using as many French words as possible, or do we have a different topic, Kurt? May we? So I have a paperweight, Kurt. I actually have several paperweights. Which are kind of funny because no one uses paperweights anymore because no one uses paper. It is a bit of an anachronism, but I think they're, I like paperweights. And I have one that someone once gave me that said, what would you try if you knew you could not fail? And obviously, that's a mental exercise to get you thinking beyond the self-imposed limits that otherwise keep us from being our full selves. So how about we talk about things we might try if we knew we could not fail? Okay. I would try podcasting if I knew we could not fail. This one popped into my head when you said that. And I'm not sure why. It's a little random. But if I could not fail, John. Yes. I would try to be Santa Claus. What makes you think there's a risk of failure of being Santa Claus? You have to deliver presents all over the world in one night. Even with time zone changes, you only get about 24 hours. Yeah, I guess that could be a risk of failure. (laughs) You think? And what if you really like the chocolate chip cookies in, say, Walla Walla, Washington? You're going to stay there for one extra cookie. I knew you'd pick an American place because you just don't think okay. about the world beyond the okay. borders of our country. Okay. What if I were in... Have you ever traveled, Kurt? <laughs> what if I were in Istanbul and I had, like, a croissant? Because isn't that the isn't that the Turkish flag? It's got, like, the crescent moon, and that's what's called a croissant. I had never heard that before. Mm, What about the hammer and sickle? Is that also a croissant? The sickle? 
No, that's that's shackles of a different kind. I would like to jump off topic for a moment because that's one of the things we do in our big podcast adventure. Let's just call a spade a spade. It's one of the things you do. Um, for anyone who's ever listened to more than this particular podcast, then I think they know the truth. But I was looking at this tweet last night that my wife Suzanne sent me a story about a woman who was suing Kellogg's, which I think it's just called Kellogg, right? For Pop-Tarts you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. So $5 million yeah. because there were no strawberries in the strawberry Pop-Tarts. So she's seeking $5 million. And this story is not, I'm not bringing this up because of the ridiculousness of the judicial system or you can sue for anything because you know what? That's one of the charms of the place, even though there's a soft underbelly to every system. But I was looking at some of the tweets, the replies to this being posted, and people are very funny. And the first person who responded said, does this mean I can sue Kraft for the lack of miracles and Miracle Whip? <laughs> so I really wanted to share that, even though it has nothing to do with our topic. People are really, really clever, Kurt. I was going with lack of cheese and Velveeta, but lack of miracle, miracle went much better. So that's funny. Let's get back to the topic then, John. I'll lasso you in and get you away from your Twitter obsession. But that was funny, right? Yeah. What would you do if you couldn't fail? I told you I'd be Santa Claus. Is there corn in candy corn? Okay. No, it's shaped like corn. Uh, do you know what candy corn used to be called? And this comes from an ardent listener of ours, Kurt Peterson. Who sent Any relation to you? No, who sent something to me today. And he said it was originally called chicken feed because they eat corn. And so that made sense. Did you ever take the candy corn and press them on your front teeth to look like you had some sort of... Dracula. Yeah. Okay, so something I would try if I knew I could not fail. This actually ties back to the origin story, the legitimate origin story of this podcast. When you and I expressed a shared interest. We shared a shared interest in writing a screenplay. Mm -hmm. And we thought that would be an absolute pisser. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is we think we might be able to, but I think more of it is we were just looking for a bit more of a creative outlet after, you know, spending 30 plus years doing creative, but creative jobs within the context of a corporation. Right. It's kind of eh. We didn't but, really do it. We didn't we didn't take the Kierkegaardian leap of faith. We got up to the edge and said, ah, our toes in the water, it's tepid, let's go back out. Would you bungee jump? Okay, so let's stick back to this topic. I think writing something creative, a screenplay, a TV show, a book, is something that I would love to do. I'm actually not not doing it because I think I might fail, although maybe that's part of it. It just seems like it takes a lot of time and effort. And you have to really commit to it. But that is something I would do if I knew I could not fail. What about you? But what does failure in that look like? Maybe starting, not finishing, maybe writing something that people go, hey, that sucks. Because it's a monstrous effort, at least it seems to be. So if you actually figured out how to get out of you whatever you wanted to get out of you and put it into a screenplay or some other form of content and people like said, hey, yeah, that's not good or that's not interesting, that wouldn't be the best possible outcome. But that's happened to probably every writer that ever existed. It is possible that that is why I'm not a writer. But I find other things to do. But one day, I hope to really turn my attention to writing something. That's a goal. Okay, that's good. So I would say 
do that. And even if you fail, you've won. And therefore, you haven't failed. That's a little meta for you, John. Little that's, meta. That's very meta. I am. Um, because remember, it's the journey, not the destination. Do you believe that? Hell yeah. Huh. I'm a bit more outcome oriented. Yeah, I know you and all of your, you know, capitalist friends. Yeah, people who don't like licorice flavor. Yeah, us. Yeah, yeah exactly. So if I could not fail, and by the way, anyone that's ever heard me do this knows that I fail every time I do it. I would like to headline as a lead singer a band that tours around, but I think I'd like to do like a grooving. 60s band, you know, like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and one of those guys. Not like the Stray Cats kind of stuff? No, 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 no. I want to sing like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, you know, all those guys, the guy Bobby Darren who sang Mac the Knife. That's what I want to do and get out there and just croon, baby. I want to croon, but I fail. How about Desi Arnaz? Was he one of your favorites? No. Well, I think of all of those groups as sort of groups, those bands, more of a 50s kind of thing. But you you put them no, in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm talking, they were in Harry the Harry Connick Jr.-esque? No, these, yes, but these guys were in the 50s, but they hit the stride I'm talking about in the early 60s. Right before the British invasion, there was this little pocket. And, you know, Elvis was still here on the fringe. The British invasion hadn't really happened yet. And there was probably... 61 to 63, about a two-year period, probably right before Kennedy got shot, that Camelot was out there, and we were crooning, baby crooning, and we had a martini in our hand, probably a gin martini, and we were sitting there saying- Probably a gin martini? Well, yeah. There are very few absolutes in this life, but probably- Oh, I said absolutely. Yeah, like very funny, very funny. I don't, funny. I don't think that was intentional. I think it was. I you do that a lot. You're very subliminal. I, I, think am. You do that fact, I am so subliminal that if you actually play our episodes backwards, <laughs> you will hear some unbelievable things. I think you do it to screw me up. I don't think that's why I do it. I also don't know why I do it because I don't believe I do it on purpose all it's the time. Subliminal. I know, but how can you attribute a motive to so so I think of you more of, of a Nancy Sinatra than a Frank Sinatra. Can you sing a little? These boots were made. Yeah, for I love that ahead. song. Croon <laughs> on that one for I, us. I love it, but I'm not a good singer, but I would like to. They're going to walk all over you. Got it. You know what would take real... Or being Sonny Bono. You know what? The fact that that guy made a music career and then, of course, a political career thereafter. And then he married Cher, looking like that. Looking like that. You don't think Woody Allen redefined the the nature of male attractiveness? I ran into Woody Allen in the street the other day. Did you really? Yeah. You're not making this up? Nope. How do we know? Because I'm telling you. I don't lie. Okay, we'll just believe you then. And he looked O-L-D, baby. Harry Chapin used to sing a song. I am the morning DJ on W-O-L-D-D-D. You don't like Harry Chapin? No. God, put him out in the pasture with his whining. Oh, my right? God, he died at 37 in a car crash. Are right, you dissing him? I'm in a taxi and my ex-girlfriend's in the back seat. Cats in the crib. Oh, my God, the worst song how ever. About, how about I Want to Learn a Love Song, which is the story of how he actually met his wife. It's a beautiful song. He died at 37. You know, he's probably buried on Long Island. Do you want to drive over there and piss on his grave or something, Kurt? Or spit on his grave? You know who died at 33? Rolling Rock beer. Alexander the Great. From I 32. Or Jesus was one and he was the other. Okay, so here's the thing you brought up about Alexander the Great before. Awesome. 
Had he lived to 65, if the rest of his life had been mediocre, would he have gone down in history as Alexander the Great? Yes. Why? What if he just, what if that, what if that, what if he peaked at 32? It doesn't matter what he did between 17 and 32 was phenomenal. He took over the world. He beat everyone. Do you think? Probably he died of syphilis. Al Capone died of syphilis. Any relationship? Yes. We could make a direct line between the two. No doubt about it. So I think something else that I. All right. (laughs) Again, I'm just not sure that I'm not doing these things because I'm afraid of failure or I just there's just I'm just not focused on them. But I think it would be an absolute pisser to get up one night at open mic night at a comedy club and just see what happens. I think. You must feel very alert and very alive when you get up in front of a crowd and your job is to make people laugh. That seems like a really hard thing to do. Make people laugh like on purpose, like planned. I think you'd be great at it. Thank you very much. You should do it. You and Mrs. Maisel. It's not Maisel. Whatever. Season two got way too over the top. They talked too good about themselves. Season one was fine. I only saw season one. I didn't watch season two. It's vintage. When people think they get, oh, I should have a message or do stuff like this, just stick to your knitting. I think people in general, if they just, we were talking about this before this podcast began, stay true to who you are. Don't try to be someone else or something else. You can toggle up and down. You can push the boundaries, but stay within you are. Be genuine. But Kurt, I agree that you need to be genuine and authentic. However, how do you know the full scope of who you are until you try a bunch of things? And some of that might go, you know what? That's not me. But sometimes you have to experience things to know if they're part of who you are. So, yes. Yes. So as people know, anyone who's spoken, as anyone who's come in contact with me in the last five and a half years knows. Why that time period? I come to Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yes. You- <laughs> and I think... If I knew I couldn't fail, I would climb Everest just because I did it. But there ain't no way I'm doing Everest. Did you, did you see Meru, the documentary? For a week, they're in a tent on the side of like the tallest sharp, sharp tooth mountain in the world. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I remember seeing Into Thin Air, which, of course, is a, the story of a tragic expedition to Everest. But I really wanted to try to climb Mount Everest after that. Now, shout out to your brother who did it. My brother, Matt, was part of an expedition, yes, to Everest way back when, probably in the 80s. And guess and what? It doesn't matter when it was. Matt can always say he did that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's done a lot of things like that. So I'm with you. I mean, anyone who's... And on top of that, he owns the family record for throwing up an altitude. And it's unlikely. Oh, that's actually not true. Ah, he may have thrown up at a very high altitude while his feet were Pressure on the Pressure chamber doesn't count of an airplane. I have thrown up on an airplane multiple times. So Your brother holds the coming record for shooting deer in his backyard. Yes, that is a record that I hope he continues to hold because I hope no one else ever tries this in my family. Although my other brother, Andy, my younger brother, could absolutely give him a run for his money. <gasps> you know what would be cool? If you couldn't fail. Now, failure in this case means death. So. Yeah. Getting one of those squirrel suits and like flying in the in the currents, right? Oh, that would be awesome. They get too close to the end. I like those cliff jumpers, but that would be great. Those what are they called? Base jumpers? Yeah, but that's different than the squirrel flyers. Yeah, I'd like to do that too. I would even like to walk on a tightrope. 
Now, I would never do that if I thought I could fail. And by the way, I would fail. But can you imagine? Remember those people who like put up a, a wire between the two trade centers? One guy. One guy. French. That is the nuttiest. There was a movie called yeah. On the Wire or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the nuttiest. That is so far. And from, the fact. Do you want to talk now? It was the fact that he had to do it without anyone knowing, right? So there was no safety precautions. But how how is that part of your interest set or skill set that you want to do that? What is it about you that needs that level of risk and and rush? That's some fucked up shit, Kurt. Not to mention, I'm guessing it's pretty windy up there and in unpredictable ways. I'm also guessing it doesn't take that much to blow you off balance. Oh, jeez. That's not for me. Okay. No bueno. Right. So you wouldn't do that even if you couldn't fail? Well, I think I'd have a different attitude and relationship toward it. If I knew I wasn't going to fall to my death, mm-hmm. then it might be worth the rush of it all. But would there be a rush if you knew you couldn't fall? Probably. But maybe not. The Russians fell. But I'm going for my birth- 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution. My, thank you for that. Rasputin. Brought to you by the History Channel. This episode, <laughs> current, current, actually, it's not even, it's not even sponsored. Current is sponsored by the History Channel. By the way, a recommendation to you and all of our listeners. I signed up for history.com's history email of the day, and it tells you things that happened on this day in history, and it is fabulous. There's a headliner. And then they give you a bunch of other important things. I learn something every day and I enjoy it each time. So I recommend everybody sign up, go to history.com. I will do it. Please. I do the writer's almanac every day. That's fantastic. It tells you about what writers were born on this day and about them. Yeah, mine's just a bigger, I'm looking at a bigger sphere of human experience than you, word boy. So, I mean, yours is interesting too, but it's more of a vertical. Not mutually exclusive. Not at all. And, yes, and. Isn't that what they do in improv? Yes, and. Mm -hmm. You and I could take a little lesson in yes, and. Because proving that we're right all the time is exhausting. (laughs) I On my singing thing, I would love, I'd love to star in a musical if I knew I couldn't fail. I love musicals. I love them. And every time I go, whether it's a happy musical or a sad musical or whatever, something happens to me and I cry. Cry with joy, cry with sadness. I sit in that audience, I watch a musical, and I just cry. Like, you, what, what's your ideal role? Like, Mame? Who am I? Can I condone this man to slavery? Pretend I'm not the man I And must my name until I die be no more than an alibi? Must I lie? When Who am I? I'm Jean Valjean. And so, Javert, you see it true. That man there bears no more guilt than you. Who am I? Two, four, six, oh, one. Thank you for that. Would you, would, would you like to do a song from Eponine now? I loved Eponine, yes. How Eponine, did you not love Eponine? Uh, Frances Ruffell, who, who started that, who did it in London in 1985, she was the best Eponine by far. And, my, and my own. how about One Day More? That's not Eponine. I know, but at the end, so I was just naming other Les Mis songs. Now, of course, Les Mis is French, which continues the sub-theme of this entire episode. So you were in London in the fall of 85, as was my wife, Suzanne, when Les Mis opened in the West End. And it sounds like you saw it. Twice. Suzanne and her flatmates saw it, I think, four or five times, including once with me when I came to visit. 
And then they all got together when it opened on Broadway as a bit of a reunion, and they saw it again with their mothers. We it did that with awesome. our parents with the same people we saw it with in London, same thing. And Cole Wilkinson, Francis Ruffell, Patty LaPone, Patty LaPone, who also, of course, was... Evita, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. So my brother told me a story the other day that he went down to visit his daughter when she was at the University of Georgia, and it was her birthday, and he started with a interesting toast to her, which no one knew he was a OBGYN, so the toast probably fell flat because he was referring to something that was an OBGYN thing, like uh, her coming out of the birth canal. He was drinking heavy IPAs, which he didn't know were 11.5% oh, shit, shit. He said, so three things happened at night. The first one was I gave a toast that was inappropriate. The second one was I did the worm. Ooh. He said the third one was I did karaoke where I sang Don't Cry For Me Argentina to everyone in the room. He said, finally, my daughter decided it was time for me to go to bed. I think she decided too late. I think so, too. Well, don't cry for Scott, Argentina. So give me another thing you could do if you couldn't fail with no worry about failing. Well, one of my grand ambitions, which is something that you and I dug into on an earlier episode. Early, early, early. Early episode where we, we, we discuss whether we would rather spend 10 minutes on the moon or have an entire year, all expense paid trip around the world in the nicest hotels. And we both chose 10 minutes on the moon. For sure. And while that was an honest reflection of our preference, it probably doesn't make for good podcasting when you take the same side of an issue. I agree. But we were learning that. Yeah, I see what you did, that you took the same side. In any event, I am fascinated by going to space and... I don't even know if I would think I would fail. I'm not afraid of going to space. So therefore, that doesn't belong in this podcast. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I, I, I have failed to meet the test. I also think there's an issue here with this whole subject, and that is if you it's knew... your paperweight. I love the paperweight, but if you knew you could not fail, doesn't that change the experience of trying it? So this is exactly what I was saying earlier. You have to have the sad with the happy. You need the counterbalance. You're exactly right. If you couldn't, it's like Groundhog Day when he realized he couldn't fail and came back, right? It is that. So I think for our listeners who thought the whole thing about the black jelly beans and the other jelly beans and joys and tragedies, if you think that was an accident, this has just been a very carefully constructed tapestry. That Kurt and I have just pulled off. All right. Excellent. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, John. Thank you, Kurt. Kurt and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, as always, we hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble. Ciao, everyone. Bye, everybody. Oh, I should say au revoir. Au revoir. That's what <laughs> I was expecting. Uh, that's what I was expecting. Mm-hmm.